section twenty two of the inheritance by susan edmonstone ferrier this librivox recording is in the public domain volume one chapter twenty two never in my breast did ignorance so struggle with desire of knowledge as in that moment nor dared i to question nor myself could aught discern carries dante you are a poor dissembler gertrude said mrs st clair after having shut the door of her chamber and carefully examined each lurking recess your looks have already betrayed to the family that something is wrong even stupid lady betty asked me at dinner whether you were well enough it is therefore obvious you are suffering either from mental disquiet or bodily indisposition and it must be your part to play the invalid this evening then seeing her daughter about to express her dislike of the deception it is easily done you have only to remain here and leave it to me to account for your absence in the drawing-room then with a profound sigh the headache and the heartache are both mine god knows but if you will only affect to bear the one for me you will assuredly alleviate the other gertrude felt that she was become a mere tool in her mother's hands and that it was in vain to contend she therefore yielded a passive assent to remaining a prisoner for the rest of the evening various were the conjectures and numberless the remedies called forth by mrs st clair's communication of her daughter's indisposition the heat of the day the drive the roads the dust the dinner uncle adam and his airless room all these and many more were each assigned as a sufficient cause for headache and eau de cologne aromatic vinegar and all the thousand perfumed specifics down to lady betty's homemade double distilled lavender water were recommended and accepted as for lord rossville he made it quite a matter of life and death a fever commonly began with a headache was there any disposition to shivering on the part of the patient any thirst any fever any bile how were the eyes how was the tongue how was the pulse a little blood taken in time was perhaps the most effectual antidote he possessed some knowledge of medicine himself and in short mrs st clair only prevented him from going to prescribe for his niece in person by assuring him that she felt a great disposition to sleep and had requested that she might not be disturbed it was therefore finally settled that if miss st clair was no better by to-morrow morning she was then to be given up to his lordship's direction colonel delmore suspected there was some deception in the case and was at no loss as he thought to fathom the mystery he believed their mutual attachment had been discovered by mrs st clair and that gertrude was suffering persecution on his account but he felt little apprehension as to the result he knew enough of human nature to be aware that to a romantic ardent nature such as hers a little opposition would have rather a good effect and that there is sometimes no sure way of creating an interest in one party than by exciting a prejudice in another meanwhile the object of all this solicitude sat at her window 
watching the coming on of grateful evening mild it was at that lovely season when day and night are so imperceptibly blended into each other that night seems only a softer sweeter day there were none of those magnificent masses of clouds which in this climate generally form the pomp and circumstance of a fine sunset the sky was cloudless and serene and a soft silvery moon shone in one quarter of the heavens while the mellow golden lustre of the sun gradually melted away in the other when the last sunshine with expiring ray in summer twilight weeps the close of day who hath not felt the softness of that hour steal o'er his heart like dewdrops on the flower then came the deeper blue of the silent night with her solemn bird and glittering stars but gertrude was withdrawn from the contemplation of these consecrated things by the entrance of her mother she threw herself on a chair and sighed heavily then starting up prepare yourself gertrude in a few minutes we must set forth fetch your green travelling cloak it will completely cover your dress and conceal your figure should we unfortunately meet any one which heaven forbid gertrude brought her cloak and did as she was directed while her mother wrapped herself in a similar disguise and both awaited in trembling expectation the signal for sallying forth at length the gong sounded voices were heard as the family passed through the hall to the supper-room the doors were shut and all was silent now is the time said mrs st clair in a voice almost inarticulate from agitation yet stay should it by any unforeseen mischance ever reach lord rossville's ears that we were seen leaving the house together at such an hour no that will never do gertrude you must go first and i will follow oh no no cried her daughter turning pale with terror why should that be surely that can make no difference no difference in reality but much in appearance said mrs st clair impatiently your stealing out to take a ramble by moonlight however silly would not sound very improbable and my following you would be perfectly natural but both going out together is quite unaccountable and must not be go make haste oh mamma do not i beseech you do not ask me to go alone i cannot indeed i cannot and she sank upon a chair ridiculous exclaimed her mother in a tone of suppressed anger of what are you afraid i know not i cannot tell i am going i know not where to meet i know not whom and at midnight no i cannot i will not go and she threw back her cloak and shook off her hat with gestures of impatience and indignation obstinate unfeeling ungrateful wretch exclaimed mrs st clair giving way to her passion is it for you that i suffer that i why do i not give you up to your fate at once why but i will be obeyed i command you on your peril to obey me gertrude threw herself on the floor at her mother's feet kill me trample on me cried she in an accent of despair but my soul revolts from these mysteries oh my mother continued she in broken accents is it you who command me thus to steal from my uncle's house at midnight disguised and alone to meet a low-born needy desperate man mrs st clair remained silent for a few moments as if struggling with her feelings she then spoke in a voice of unnatural calmness be it so my entreaties my prayers my commands are in vain the die is cast by your hand and my doom is fixed 
i told you that my life depended upon your unreserved obedience and the forfeit shall be paid gertrude looked on her mother's face every feature was convulsed with powerful and fearful emotion then every idea vanished but that of her mother dying dead and she the cause all personal fear all lofty feeling fled the right cord was touched and her whole frame vibrated with emotion she clung to her mother's knees she sued for pardon she vowed the most implicit obedience the most devoted submission to her will she called heaven to witness that henceforth she would do all that was required of her she prayed that she might be tried once only once more she spoke with all the ardour and sincerity of powerful emotion but it is not with a throbbing heart and a burning brow that the mastery is obtained if vows made in pain are void those formed under the influence of excited feeling are no less vain and fleeting mrs st clair's features gradually relaxed and in a more natural voice she said i forgive you gertrude i forgive your doubts your fears however injurious to me go then but ere you go reflect on what you have undertaken remember you have vowed unqualified obedience there is now no middle course you are either my preserver or my destroyer she poured out a glass of water and held it to her daughter's trembling lips now listen to my instructions glide quickly and softly along till you reach the south turret stair be cautious in descending it and making your way along the old passage to the west door which is seldom locked when there you have only to cross the lawn keep by the river-side and wait me at the ivy bridge fear nothing i will follow you immediately gertrude again muffled herself in her cloak and with a beating heart went on her way as fast as terror and agitation would permit she groped her way down the little turnpike stair and along a dark passage in an old part of the house to a door which opened upon the lawn but there all things stood disclosed in the light of a full moon and calm cloudless sky and her heart almost failed her as she marked her own dark shapeless shadow stealing along on the silvery path she soon gained the bank of the river and there in the deep shade of the rocks and trees she felt secure at least from discovery if not from danger a few steps more and she reached the bridge where she was to await her mother at another time she would have been charmed with the romantic loveliness and grandeur of the scene rocks trees and waterfall all gleamed in the pale pellucid light not a leaf was stirring and the solemn stillness was only broken by the rushing of the river and the whooping of the owls but to enjoy the tranquillity of nature requires that there should be some sympathy between the mind and the scene and gertrude's feelings were but little in unison with the calm the holy majesty of moonlight scarcely daring to breathe every instant seemed an age till she beheld her mother advance with a quick but agitated step we are late said she in a low tone let us make haste and taking her daughter's arm they proceeded together in silence for a considerable distance till they came within sight of a temple situated on the summit of the bank it was there i appointed to meet him said mrs st clair and as she spoke the figure of a man was seen approaching towards them wait here gertrude cried she waving her daughter back as she would have clung to her i shall be within sight and call of you do not stir from hence and remember your promise 
and disengaging herself from her she hastily advanced to meet the stranger it was not in human nature not to have felt the most intense curiosity at this moment and gertrude certainly experienced it in no common degree when she beheld her mother's meeting with this mysterious man although beyond the reach of hearing what passed their gestures told a tale of no common import after remaining a few minutes in deep and earnest conversation she saw mrs st clair offer him a packet which she guessed was the one containing the money and jewels she then saw the person reject it as if with scorn and even turn away from it as mrs st clair seemed to press it upon him this dumb show lasted some minutes till at length he snatched it from the hand she held out to him and threw it upon the ground and made some steps towards the place where gertrude stood mrs st clair caught him by the arm she seemed to be arguing imploring supplicating now she clasped her hands as if in an agony then she raised them as if in solemn appeal to heaven and gertrude caught the sound of her voice in tones of the deepest anguish at length she seemed to prevail having herself lifted up the packet he had so contemptuously cast away she again offered it to him and it was accepted they now advanced together till within a few paces of gertrude when mrs st clair quitted her companion and approached her daughter the shade of the trees covered her face but her voice was expressive of the utmost agitation gertrude my love said she in a low tone lewiston wishes to see you to talk with you as the husband of your nurse and a sort of confidential person in the family he thinks he has a right to address you in his own way i dare not refuse gertrude he will converse with you alone mrs st clair placed her hand on her daughter's lips as she saw an indignant refusal ready to burst forth oh gertrude dearest gertrude as you value my life as you value your own happiness do not refuse do not provoke him i am in his power one hasty word one contemptuous look may undo me oh gertrude for the love you bear to me for the love you bore your nurse for the love of heaven be calm and patient speak tell me i may trust you and she led her a few steps towards the stranger gertrude started with terror as the moonbeams now fell on her mother's face and showed it wild and even ghastly from excessive emotion compose yourself mamma said she i will do i will be all you desire there was no time for more for the stranger as if impatient of delay had now joined them he held out his hand to gertrude with an air of familiarity which at once roused her indignation and had almost thrown her off her guard when a look from her mother subdued her with a blush of wounded pride she suffered him to take it and mrs st clair walked apart he surveyed her for some minutes without speaking while her cheek burned and her heart swelled at the indignity to which she was thus subjected at length he said abruptly do you remember your nurse perfectly how old were you when she died i was nine years old you were very fond of her were you not i loved her as my mother answered gertrude in a voice of deep emotion that was well you are aware that i was her husband consequently have some claim to a share of your affection do you think you will be able to bestow any of it upon me gertrude's spirit was ready to burst forth at the insolent freedom of this address but she repressed it and answered coldly as the husband of my nurse i am willing to assist you as far as i am able but i have little in my power at present true but the time will come when you will have much when i have answered gertrude wishing to end the conference the claims of my nurse's husband shall not be forgotten and she was moving away stop cried he not so fast the claims of your nurse's husband 
are not so easily settled as you seem to suppose i wish to put a few more questions to you young lady before we part how am i to be assured that you will ever have it in your power to assist me in the world i can give you no assurance said gertrude all that i can say is if ever it is in my power to befriend you for the sake of your wife i shall be ready to do it only for the sake of my wife repeated he with a smile we shall see how that is when the time comes whether i shall not have something to say with you for my own sake in silent displeasure gertrude turned proudly away when he caught her cloak to detain her well we shall settle that afterwards but if you play your cards well you will one day have something in your power or the deuce is in it the worst of it is that day may be a while of coming and your friends may starve in the meantime but your uncle is a pretty old boy and you are sure of succeeding gertrude was choking with indignation but she remembered her promise and remained silent what are your plans for the future demanded he abruptly i am not in the habit of communicating my plans to strangers answered she haughtily but i have a right to know your plans said he fiercely i insist upon an answer to my question what are your plans for the future gertrude was terrified i am ignorant of your meaning said she faintly i mean in the event of your uncle's death what would you do would you marry or remain single and has your mother attempted to influence you in favour of anybody answer me that does she wish you to marry or not say it is impossible for me to answer i do not know i cannot tell answered gertrude almost overcome with the contending emotions of terror and indignation are you sure of that is there no colonel Dalmore in the case ready to swindle the heiress out of her estates but that won't do you must beware how you entangle yourself there you must beware how you commit yourself or by jupiter come i must know how the land lies i must know how you stand affected to those fortune-hunters who are looking after you and he would have taken her hand with an air of familiarity which now completely threw her off her guard uttering a piercing cry which echoed through the woods she flew wildly past him and cast herself into her mother's arms End of section twenty two